St. Paul was constantly moved, driven by the, the question in his heart, how do I bring the, the gospel, how do I best bring the gospel out to the world? He was so driven by that that it, it, in, a, in a beautiful way it consumed him and the, the larger part of his whole ministry were missionary journeys where he's traveling. Three huge missionary journeys all around the, the known world at that time to bring the gospel out. When he arrives in Corinth, that's our second reading today, when Paul arrives there, he, he changes things up dramatically from what he had done in the city he was in just prior to going to Corinth. That was Athens. When he comes into Corinth, later, as he's writing to the Corinthians, he reminds them of what his preaching was like when he got there. Listen to what he says. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I did not come with sublimity of words or wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Paul is basically saying to them, look, I don't want to try to win you over with really eloquent words, because if I do that, your faith might not actually be in the one who's come to save you. You, you could end up being won over just by my words, by human words. And, and St. Paul knows that that's not going to last. It's not going to bring you, get you to the salvation that the Lord wants and desires for you. So, what Paul did, as he says, is, I came to you resolving to know only one thing, to preach only one thing, Christ and him crucified. And I want to look at that just really quickly with you, even just bringing out one of our, our crucifixes here, just, just to have it before us, because there's something beautiful and powerful that St. Paul is getting at in this. And our second reading today, the verses that we have are just right around from what I just read to you. Today, what we hear Paul say to the Corinthians is, he says, look, I know that the Jews among you, Jews look for signs. We heard that in the gospel. Jesus telling them, destroy this temple three days. I'll raise it up. And they say, what sign can you show us? That is, they want miracles and external visible signs of power. And the Gospels relate that all the time, that they're always asking, what sign can you show us so that we would believe in you? Like, come on, like, bring, bring the goods. Like, we want to see it. Meanwhile, the Gentiles, the Greeks, their whole thing is, look, we want the beautiful human wisdom and eloquence. We want you to share what you have to say and show us and teach us that it's better than Socrates or Plato or Aristotle, than any of the other human wisdom that we've been going after. 
St. Paul, he's tried that. He's tried to do it that way in other cities and towns. When he gets to Corinth, he knows, if, if I try to, just to make an appeal just by way of those human things, it's not going to do it. So Paul arrives in Corinth and he says, I came to you preaching only one thing, Christ and him crucified. And Paul says, I know that for Jews who are looking for signs of power, this looks like utter weakness. And for, for the Gentiles, for the Greeks who are looking for wisdom, Paul says, this looks like utter foolishness. It's the opposite of what the people were looking for. They wanted power and they wanted wisdom. And Paul says, I don't have those for you at the level that you're looking for it. What I do have, what I will preach, is Christ and him crucified. And Paul says, here's the secret. For those who are being called by God, Paul says, this is the greatest power that you will ever find. And for those who are looking for wisdom, he says, this is the greatest wisdom, logic, truth, you will ever find. Paul knows there's a mystery here in the cross. What looks like utter human weakness, a man dying on the cross, crucified, Paul knows this act of selfless love that Jesus offered willingly, deliberately, on purpose, this unleashes and pours out into the world the greatest love that the world has ever known. Like Jesus teaches us, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is a power to this love poured out on the cross that is the greatest power ever. It's a power that is able to reach into death and raise up Christ from the dead. It's a power that's able to deliver me and you from sin and from death itself. That's the power that St. Paul knows is unleashed from the cross. And there's a wisdom, a truth to this that goes way beyond human wisdom. It's the logic of love, that love does not seek to preserve its own life. Love never seeks just its own benefit, its own good. This is like what Paul writes to just a little bit later in his first letter to the Corinthians. Remember, many of you have probably had it on your wedding day. What is love? Love is, it's, it's patient, it's kind. He gives this whole list, but he, he tells us love does, never ever seeks its own good. This is the truth of love. This is the deepest truth of the whole universe. This is what everything is built on. Love that gives itself away. It's why everything was created in the first place. God didn't have to do it. He didn't need us that way. It's why it was recreated in the blood of Christ. This is the nature of love. And Paul is saying, there is a wisdom here. Like you all think you're smart if you find a way to kind of game the system. But I'm telling you, the cross of Christ teaches us the greatest wisdom ever, which is the truth and the logic of divine love. So Paul says, I can't give you what you're looking for, but to those of you that are willing to accept this, 
there is a power and a wisdom offered to you which goes way beyond anything you'll find in the world. Now, we hear this today and, and we're moving toward Holy Week, toward Good Friday, and with all of this, two, two words I think that the Lord wants to give to us in light of this message. The first is this, Th this is how we are saved. What that means is it's not just that this event happened one time. This is forever the template, the pattern, the way in which you and I are saved. In order for me and you to be saved, in some way, my life has to be conformed to his on the cross. Like, there's stuff in me that has to die. There's things that the Lord needs to put to death in me in order that I might be raised up with Christ. And so, the thing that we need to know is, the Lord is saying, this is how I am saving you, and you have to accept the work of my cross in your life if you want to be saved. Like, you've heard this often. There's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And that's true, but it's true not just of Christ, but every one of us has got to be joined to him, conformed to him, in order that my life might go through this same very mysterious thing that is the cross. And I'm saying this because there are some of you right now that the Lord is leading you through this and you're fighting and you're resisting and you're saying, Lord, I thought that you loved me and yet look at what I'm going through. And what you're going through right now, it might be this very thing which is the way that he saves us. Your earthly dreams may not be playing out the way that you wanted and the Lord is letting those die in order to raise you up in a life that's determined by his plans for you. Some of you maybe perhaps are desperately trying to hold on to things that don't fit in your relationship with the Lord and the Lord is actively working against that to free you from it and, and you're complaining or crying out to him saying if you loved me you'd let me do what I want. See, there, are, there are areas in our life right now where he's working this out and we have to accept that. We need to welcome that. It's the only way that we will be saved conformity to Christ. Not, it's not just that he died this way for us, it's that I'm entering into this and dying with him that I might be raised up with him. The second reason that I think this is important and the second word I think the Lord has for us is this, that when you and I submit our life to Christ in this way, we will look to the world as Paul speaks in the reading today, we will look weak and we will look foolish in the world. The Christian life does not make sense to the world. I mean, we can try to make it make sense. Paul tried that and it didn't work. We can try to kind of clean it up and, and make it look really attractive, but at the heart of it is the cross of Christ as the very thing that saves us. And so, to submit our life to this is also being willing and ready to say, Lord, 
I'm, I'm ready to look to, to the world in the world's eyes. I'm ready to look weak, and I am ready to look foolish. And that's, that's just, that's the price that Christians have paid from the beginning. And we need to be ready, not in a way like kind of masochistic, but we need to be ready just to know the world is going to look at our life and be puzzled by what we do, by what apparently seems to be weakness and utter foolishness. But as Paul said, for those who are called by God, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Today, in just a moment, we're going to be praying for men and women who have made the choice to enter fully into the Catholic faith. And many of them were baptized in other churches, already living as Christians and are entering fully the Catholic Church. Some have not been baptized, but all of them are publicly saying, Lord, I'm submitting my life to your cross that I might be saved. And, Lord, I'm ready to look foolish and weak in the world in order that I might be saved. And so we're, we're praying for them in a particular way today, but their witness is a beautiful chance for us to say, Lord, I recommit to that as well. And so I'll invite all of our candidates and catechumen and your sponsors to please come into the sanctuary. I'll have our, our candidates and catechumen in a single line across the front, our, their sponsors, right behind them to support them in prayer.